Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad. That is Mike McClure. Hopefully you're watching us on YouTube. If you are, go ahead and hit that like button. But let's talk about week three because we're here. But before we talk about week three, you know what we do on Tuesdays, Mike. We recap our lineups, our GPP lineups, our cash lineups. And of course, we'll talk about who won our FFT DFS contest, which of course is O'Linny for the win, who put up 197 point. Three two points. I'm really curious to see what that lineup looks like because I know last week, Mike, it was a lot of the guy, a lot of the people that we recommended in in the winning lineup, and the ownership was like way out of whack, in, in kind of in a good way, in a complimentary way. So I'm really curious to look at that lineup. Uh, Mike, how are you doing? And how was your week two? Uh, doing well. Week two was pretty good overall. Uh, decent little main slate. Really good last night on the two game slate uh, on Monday Night Football. I had. Big success on that, thanks to Stefan Diggs. I chose to make Stefan Diggs wide receiver one significantly over Justin Jefferson, and that helped me out a lot. So all in all, really, really strong week. Paid for week one, paid for week two, probably paid for week three and four as well. I got to be honest, Mike. I'm curious to look at your your GPP lineup that you that we've submitted this week because you were on so many like amazing picks and amazing stacks. And, and, I, and I've looked at your lineup at least the, the one we're going to see. I took a quick glance at it, and I know there was a couple of the running backs that didn't come through for you, but, man, Mike, you were on Lamar Jackson. Like, that. you were heavy on Lamar Jackson, I should say. You were on Tyree Kill as a run back. You were on Noah Brown. I mean, we were on – I was on Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, we had a lot of the pieces that was going to, like, get you at least close to an optimal lineup. And and I, as the day was going, Mike, I was hoping you were smashing. I was doing okay. Obviously, Derek Carr – and Devontae Adams held me back a little bit in some of my more yeah. expensive entries. But otherwise, I thought we checked a lot of boxes. I thought we hit pretty strong this week. Super strong this week, just one or two players away, and then a, a super key injury uh, on Jerry Judy really crushed. He was one player I had in 100% of lineups, uh, so that, that one hurt, getting hurt early in that game. Yeah, and not much you can do about that. Um, so listen, we are going to talk about, we're going to start with my cash line, but I do want to implore everybody uh, two things. One, hit the like button if you're already watching. I see some of you in, in the comments. Thank you for being in the comments. We're going to try to get to your questions um, as this show moves along. So hit the like button, but also our FFT DFS contest, which was only 150 deep. Uh, that, that was our max entry last week. It filled up pretty fast. I think it was full by Friday. So 
serious thank you to everybody just making that full. It's always easier on us when, you know, we don't necessarily have to retweet it out on Saturday or Sunday morning to get people in. So for those of you that joined so quickly last week, I would just ask you that you do the same this week. Get in there. We're probably going to expand it to like 200 people. What does that mean? That means the prize pool is going to be up. It's not just going to be the top 15 that get paid out. It'll be the top 20 and so on and so forth. Hopefully this tournament gets big enough where we're going to pay out more people and the, the first and second all the way down to 20, 25, 30. Hopefully those payouts uh, increase as well. So everybody, thanks for joining. That is live already. You can find it in the YouTube description or in the description under this podcast. The last thing I'll say before we pull up my cash lineup is for those of you that did hit on, I don't know, Noah Brown or on Greg Dortch again or on the Lamar Tyreek stack that Mike recommended or Amon Ross St. Brown, which I was super heavy on. Uh, if you like this show, if you like what you're listening to, please go ahead and review the podcast. You go to Apple Podcasts. It literally takes one second to hit five stars, presumably. You can make a, a sentence or two comment if you want. We would really appreciate it. it. certainly helps the show. Let's get into it, though. Let's look at, let's pull up my cash lineup, Mike. And this is probably going to be pretty familiar to you because it's a lot of the guys we discussed. I know on the, let's see, the Thursday show, we actually spent a lot of time on this Washington-Detroit game. Honestly, looking back, we probably spent like almost too much time on it, but it was such a good game just from a back and forth, run back stackability standpoint. So as you can see here, I ended up in my cash lineup going with Carson Wentz, uh, which obviously worked out, you know, 31.78 points. Um, as you go down, you, Greg Dorch, he hits again. Curtis Samuel hits again. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown with 42 points. That's what, you know, take Wentz and Amon Ross St. Brown and you're probably hitting your cash lineups. The underwhelming players, of course, Christian McCaffrey didn't really get there. Saquon Barkley was pretty much absent for most of the game. And of course, Devontae Adams. That was really curious, Mike, because I know we had a lot of him in, in GPP and in cash. And for him to only see two receptions after scoring a touchdown early in the game, you know, I had a GPP lineup. My most expensive one was Derek Carr with uh, Waller and Devontae Adams. They both get touchdowns relatively early in the game. And I think I'm on my way. Unfortunately, I had James Conner on the way back as one of my one of my two it was Conner and Dorch. So it didn't really work out because obviously Conner got injured and Adams was just absent. Any sort of explanation there, Mike? I mean, it just seems super weird that he would he would have been against this Arizona defense that he wouldn't have been targeted more. Yeah, it was very interesting, uh, you know, and frankly, he was maybe lucky to even have a, the, the touchdown. I think the ball was called back, which is why they got the ball at the one to even have that touchdown or else he has one catch uh, in this game. Uh, really could have been a lot worse. He, Matt Collins was targeted so much early in that game uh, for the Raiders. Very interesting. Obviously, I think it's a huge bounce back spot for Devontae this week. Um, other comments on the lineup. You crushed it with Amon St. Brown again. Uh, Curtis Samuel on the bring back. Go ahead. Mike, I want to I wanna interrupt you because there's one thing I really should point out. And please, I want you to carry on on this. But I made a big mistake here, right? Mike, can you point out the mistake I made here? You might have to in the flex position. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in the flex position, this is one we talk about a lot every year. Amandre St. Brown should never be in the flex position as a game that started at one o'clock Eastern time when two wide receivers, Devontae Adams and Greg Dortch, were in the late slate. Who should have been in the flex spot? You could say either one of them, but the correct answer would be Devontae Adams as he is yeah. the most expensive player and in the late slate. Uh, that's who should have been your flex. So should have given you the most opportunity for late swaps. Should anything be needed to change? 
Exactly. So if I have Devontae Adams in in my flex position and my lineup's not doing so well, or there's there's situations where it's doing really well and you still might want to make some sort of late swap depending on the circumstances. Obviously, Devontae Adams gives me the most flexibility in the flex spot. So I'll tell you, in my haste, I had a lot of this. Um, My schedule on Sunday mornings, Mike, as you know, we do the 12 o'clock show uh, for the early edge. And so uh, in my haste, there were a couple errors here, but I wanted to point that out right off the bat. But I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out. Um, Tell me more about this lineup from a cash standpoint. Oh, look, I I think it's a a well-constructed lineup. I think one thing a lot of people would maybe question is, you know, Bengals defense 80% owned, right? You you had to play them. It was a true must-play situation, in my opinion. Uh, Knowing that if, you know, at 80%, which we knew they were going to be at least 70% in cash games, uh, you got to play them because at four points, it does not kill you. They could have negative two points, and it wouldn't have hurt you in this contest, really. But in the scenario that they smash and score 20, you were absolutely dead without them. Absolutely dead without them. So you had to play them like that you did. It was a correct call. Excellent. All right. Well, um, I, I don't think we need to belabor this one too much. Obviously, um, it gets there without Devontae Adams, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey, really, you know, whatever you want to say, hitting what you'd think they'd hit. And so what, what does that mean? It means in cash games, this is the appeal of cash games. You can have a bunch of guys that you're leaning on that just don't hit. But as long as you get one or two guys that really smash, like I did with, let's say, Amon Ross St. Brown and Carson Wentz, you're probably in pretty good shape to be in that top 50%. Again, double ups, contest selection, it is really, really important that you include that in your repertoire, especially if you're, you know, not, you know, some of the, some people have different bankrolls, okay? My bankroll is, is, is much like the listeners' bankrolls. There's some people that have like these huge bankrolls and maybe they don't think they need to maintain their bankroll with uh, cash games. But I can tell you 98% of the people playing DFS should be playing double ups. I I cannot stress that enough. And you should be playing contests that are also single entry or three entry max, or maybe some of the small contests that only have like 11 people or 50 people, maybe 100 in them. Really important. Mike, let's get to your cash lineup. It scored 140.82 to um, some familiar faces that you talked about on Thursday, Lamar, Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews. I'm sure you were on them in GPPs as well, but that is, uh, that certainly helped you out in the cash lineup. Yeah, definitely. So uh, look, I most like most weeks, I keep a really narrow player pool. Um, I played three of my five total lineups in cash. Also, Uh, this just happened to be lineup number one that came out from projection. So that's why I'm showing this one here in the spot. Uh, Wasn't the best performing, but it, it was okay. I liked the lineup a lot. Uh, Saquon Barkley obviously hurt me. Jerry Judy's injury really, really, really impacted this lineup between that and Devontae Adams going, you know, a lineup here with 11 points from those two. Not exactly what we were looking for. Um, overall, it, it hit the Lamar to Mark Andrews exactly like I told you we were going to do. We played Dorch, we played Barkley. Uh, very straightforward uh, from everything. The only thing we didn't really spend a ton of time talking about was Richie James Jr. We mentioned it on the Tuesday show last week uh, Mm -hmm. based on injury news. Wondell Robinson was ruled out. That is why James became someone who became in my player pool. Yeah, and again, uh, I don't know that we spent a lot of time on on him on Thursday, but again, these Tuesday shows, we do them for a reason. It's not just a recap. We do take an early look, and some of these names that we're going to talk about in a few minutes for week three, I mean, I I definitely want their – 
to be some focus on them, not just for the Thursday show, but also the Tuesday show in terms of how you might construct your lineups. And I'll say this, that 12 o'clock show that we do on the early edge, we just do a game by game preview. We go over prop bets and things of that nature. Actually on that show mentioned uh, mentioned Ashton Doolin because he was 3,200. And it was after our Thursday show that we found out, well, not only is Michael Pittman out, but Alec Pierce is out as well. So you know, a little cross promotion here, all under the CBS Sports umbrella. The early edge is, is you know, Mike is always on that. I'm on that a little bit. But that game by game, pre- we do prop shows as well, of course. But that game by game preview at noon, I'm going to make a concerted effort to include some DFS content just here and there, just pepper it in, especially when there's late breaking news like we got with Michael Pittman. So Doolin would have been a good $3,200 play as well. And uh, he certainly would have paid off if you played him. So obviously some of this news breaks after our Thursday show. We try to deliver it to you. It might not be on FFT DFS, but if you're kind of a part of this overall CBS Sports brand, early edge, sports line, you're going to see this information somewhere. And, you know, yeah. Mike puts his content up on sports line as well. So please make sure you catch that. Okay, let's move along to my GPP line. It's going to look very familiar. Oh, by the way, I see a familiar name in the chat. OJ Linney, the winner of our FFT DFS contest week two, he says, man, I can't believe I won your tournament. Well, OJ, we're coming after you now. So now you are a marked man. So uh, the pressure is on. And let's see if you can run it back. But seriously, congratulations. We're going to look at your lineup, OJ, in just a second. But first, congratulations again. But first, Let's go to my GPP lineup. So pretty familiar faces here, but there's a couple leverage points that I think are worth pointing out. A couple of them, you know, one in particular, I'm a little disappointed about that I even played him. But Carson Wentz, we see him. We see him on Ross St. Brown. He was practically a lock button for me. Greg Dortch, another guy that I put in most of my lineups. Curtis Samuel, another guy in most of my lineups. All these names were in my cash lineup too. So you might be asking yourself, well, didn't you get different? Like what? where is the GPP part of this where you got some leverage somewhere? Well, It's with Josh Jacobs, TJ Hawkinson, and Debo Samuel. So I probably overplayed my hand with respect to Debo Samuel, but honestly, with Trey Lance going out, the complexion of that game changed quite a bit. I played Debo to get leverage. I figured he'd get rushing, and I figured he'd get uh, receptions as well. So it didn't really work out for me there. Josh Jacobs was an obvious play for me from a pure leverage standpoint because I knew people were going to be taking different portions of that game, particularly Devontae Adams, of course, maybe Marquise Brown, obviously the Derek Carr, Kyler Murray stacks were in play. Zach Ertz was in play, but nobody was really going to play the running game. So Josh Jacobs, James Conner, those guys were in play for me. I do have the run back with Greg Dortch in this lineup. Obviously, I didn't get there with Josh Jacobs. Does it make it the incorrect play for this GPP lineup? No, it still makes it the correct play. It just didn't work out. So, you know, under 10% ownership, that's about what I'd want to see. I I thought it would be a little lower than that, to be honest. Um, TJ Hawkinson was just a bad play by me. If if I could do this one over, I would keep Josh Jacobs in there and I would drop Hawkinson all the way down to Jawan Johnson, which is a $2,200 savings there. And I'd take Debo up to Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams, admittedly, but, you know, most likely Cooper Cup to get really different since I knew Adams was going to be in a lot of in a lot of stacks. So uh, if I had done that, This lineup would have been really, really great in spite of an underwhelming performance from Christian McCaffrey. And the point I want to make, Mike, before we get to your lineup, and I'd love your comments on this lineup as well, but it doesn't take much to have like something close to an optimal lineup. Yes, I made some mistakes here. I don't consider Jacobs a mistake. I kind of think Hawkinson and Debo was kind of a mistake. If I dropped Hawkinson down to that 2,500 range, I can get Cup, I can get Adams, but it, it, it's so to me, I'm so close to like getting it like kind of 
kind of right here. And when I say kind of right, I mean like getting somewhere close to like a top 10, a top five finish in a big tournament. Obviously, the Jacobs thing didn't work out, but this is the type of leverage we're looking for, correct? Oh, yeah. It's definitely the type of leverage you're looking for. There's no doubt about that. Um, look, I, I like the Samuel play. Uh, and classic example of if he lands in the end zone, we have a drastically different box score, right? Um Look, the production was still there to some extent. 44 receiving yards, 53 rush yards. Um, yeah, I have no problems with that. I think it was really well done. Same thing could be said on Jacobs. Uh, you know, they had first and goal at the one. Didn't get in the end zone. That's typically a spot where he does get in the end zone. Changes the complexion of that game pretty significantly as well. Um, yeah, poor result on those individual plays, but not poor process in my opinion. Something for me to lament uh, before we pull up Mike's uh, GPP lineup with, with an impressive 177.22. So I also had, a, Mike, you know this, I had an anytime touchdown play on the early edge of Debo Samuel. It was it was like minus 105, minus 110. There was a play, I don't know if you all remember, where they were on the one or two yard line and they ran what looked to be a sweep to Debo Samuel and he was coming around, but the center couldn't get the snap off for some reason. Like it was just a bungled snap and it was rolling around on the ground. And so they just had to jump on it, but that was going to be behind the left side behind Trent Williams. You, you had a guard or or a pulling as well. That was probably going to be the touchdown that gets Debo there. That gets the flow of the game, probably different. Uh, But you know, those things happen, obviously just like the Judy injury, you know, bad snaps, injuries, not something you can predict, but I was super happy with that lineup. So Mike, let's pull up your GPP lineup you uh you scored a very impressive 177 plus here lamar to andrews with the tyreek bring back listen if you listen to thursday's show i was like okay listen i'm my player pool is going to be somewhat concentrated and i don't think i'm going to get to lamar those might have been my exact words mike implored everybody to get to lamar and and you know looking back it certainly makes sense lamar any week is probably going to be a, a pretty good play especially on last week's slate though he made even more sense i think so um talk to us about this lineup i obviously love your stack your running backs didn't quite get there um you know Mixon at 18 percent barkley at 48 percent the Mixon one i actually thought he'd be slightly lesser owned but tell me about this stack obviously jerry judy's injury um really impacted you here but tell me tell me about the stack in general or the, the lineup in general yeah look jerry judy's injury limited you know look it wasn't going to take down the tournament after uh you know we got what we got from saquon um however Judy's injury definitely limited some of the upside of this lineup. Uh, you know, even a, a 12 to 15 point game from Jerry Judy at the ownership level here at 13% changes the payout on this lineup pretty significantly. Um, but overall thoughts on the lineup. Yeah, look, we knew the Bengals were going to be the most popular defense. I chose to play them in every lineup on DraftKings still. Uh, the reasoning behind that, once again, I knew they had crossed a certain threshold of ownership to the point where if they failed, it had very minimal impact on my ability to make money, meaning cash the lineups, right? And any minimum caches, they crossed the threshold, which for me is about 35%. But in this case, I was projecting them to be 50. I was actually off by a few percent still. When you're projecting a team like that defense to be 50% owned, the probability of them killing your lineup to the point where you can't cash is not the case. But if they have a game script where they crush and they score 12 to 18 or even 20 fantasy points, you are not cashing without them when their defense is $2,200. So I personally had to play them. So the first decision I made in this lineup was to go ahead and double down on it and handcuff him with Joe Mixon. Uh, Running back team defense has a very strong correlation. Uh, That is especially true here. 
Mixon didn't have a great game. 26 receiving yards, only 57 rush yards. Why did that happen? Because they failed. They, they lost the game. They weren't leading at any point like we thought they were going to be. So this 11-point game is essentially an absolute floor game for Joe Mixon because he didn't have a game script that we were hoping for. Um, the rest of the lineup, though, very self-explanatory, right? I was all over Lamar and Andrews all week. Love Tyreek Hill. Uh, we knew we were all going to play Greg Dortch, and yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, and for those of you listening, I probably should have just went ahead and, and told you because uh, you're not looking at it on YouTube. Um, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews with the Tyreek Hill run back. His other his running backs were Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley. He had Greg Dortch in there, Richie James. So discount receivers. Uh, Greg Dortch got there. Richie James almost got there in terms of fire emojis. And then of course Jerry Judy, who we talked about. He had Judy in his flex position um, before he got injured. He only had the the one reception for 11 receiving yards. And then of course the Bengals defense. So again, if Mixon gets there, if Judy stays healthy, um, even with a substandard Barkley, this lineup certainly could get there in terms of like a really big payout. It looks like you yeah. got a pretty big payout as it was from what I'm seeing here on YouTube. But you know, if 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 Mixon and Judy get there with Lamar, I mean. With Lamar Andrews and the Tyreek Hill run back, that is just a, a very impressive lineup. And it's one of those situations where it's like you're, you're happy you won, Mike, but it's like, man, this one had so much potential to knock it out of the park, right? Uh, so much potential. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I honestly, I felt really good about its upside uh, once we knew that we had Bengals and, uh, and Mixon here in the spot. But yeah, I just ultimately didn't get there. All right, so let's take a look at our FFT DFS winner. Let's pull up that lineup. And again, that tournament is live. If you're listening to this, just go into the description uh, for uh, FFT DFS for this show, and you'll see the link. You can get in there real quick. We're going to have an expanded player pool. We're going to have an expanded entries. Instead of 150, we're going to have 200. I'd like to grow this. And so maybe by week seven or eight, maybe we're at three or 400. Who knows? The point is, get in there now, fill it up, because that's going to give us cause to have more prize money because we're going to increase the entry size. So thank you for doing that. And obviously, if you're watching us on YouTube right now and you haven't already hit the like button, please go ahead and do that. All right, so let's bring up OJ Linney's winning lineup in this FFT DFS com, uh, DFS contest. Uh, OJ, okay, it's OJ Linney, 197.32 DraftKings points. Uh, he has Lamar to Mark Andrews, no Dolphins bring back. He has Jeff Wilson and Antonio Gibson at running back. Debo, Amon Ross St. Brown, Curtis Samuel. That is just, that makes me so happy, Mike, because these are the three guys that I talk, like we, we all talked about, of course, but like the Amon Ra, like Curtis, we were both on. Debo, I was, I was a little bullish on, maybe too much so, but like, I, I just, I love that the game winning lineup had a lot of the guys that we really, really talked about. Evan Ingram is so interesting to me. He's a guy I'm going to be targeting in our early look Well, in a few minutes when we go through the um, position by position for week three. He's getting some work, Mike. So I actually, I absolutely love that play at 0.7% ownership. He didn't smash by any means, but I think it's a really smart play. And then, of course, um, I might have mentioned he has Mark Andrews. So very, very good lineup here. Mike, any comments? Uh, no, just incredibly well done. Um, you know, having the, you know, the only thing that I think that they would have changed, if anything, would be somehow getting Tyreek Hill over Debo Samuel and, and you win all the money on the site that day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that's really the only thing that could have been done differently, but it was absolutely perfect. The correlations were great. Uh, you know, if you were on the side of Washington winning the football game, uh, that's the beauty of it, right? You don't always have to be right and you can still get rewarded significantly from it. 
Uh, you know, you're on that Washington side with you got Gibson and Samuel in there. The obvious spring back is definitely Amonra St. Brown. Uh, everything looks good. Uh, looks like you like the 49ers a lot. You're basically banking on all rushing touchdowns coming from Debo and Jeff Wilson, potentially having rece- receiving yards and touchdowns there as well. Um, I love it. Obviously, I love it. It's got Lamar and Mark Andrews. They, they absolutely crushed. <laughs> yeah, I think my one criticism probably would be that the Wilson pairing with Debo Samuel, especially with Debo getting some rushing attempts, you, you know, you're you're kind of eating out of each other's plate there. So, I mean, obviously it worked out for you, but that might have been with Debo being as expensive as he was, that might have been a, a place where you could pivot to somebody else uh, and, and assume that Jeff Wilson is going to get the work, which, of course, we didn't necessarily assume that. But that's what you would be doing by playing him. I do want to go to a question real quick, Mike. We have. A few questions in here, but I see Ryan McWinney's question up here. He says, "Longtime listener, first-time caller. Love that line. A Saquon, uh, I, I'm assuming he means I'm, I was a Saquon pivot away from winning the DK contest this week. I finished fifth. Could you speak to your decision-making process on chalky players, when to play or fade? Mike, I'll kick that to you. Yeah, so throughout this episode, actually, we've already talked about it just a little bit on the defense and special team side. Uh, In terms of skill position players, if you knew, we all knew Saquon was going to be very popular, especially in this contest. Uh, The issue with it for me is it it was still a really, really strong value play. So that was one personally that I didn't care about ownership on. Um, As far as deciding when, I think you really have to know your opponents. Uh, You know, I wasn't building, and I probably should be, but when I play the FFT DFS contest, I'm not building the lineup specifically for that contest, mostly out of a lack of time. I'm building it for something I want to play in in other contests. If I were building it specifically for FFT DFS contest, I would make some different decisions on the fades because we know how much we are directly influencing the ownership in that contest. Uh, So I would be building, and at that point I would probably fade because you've seen the ownership levels on certain players. Um, So to answer the question here for Ryan though, it's a delicate balance and I don't care about overall ownership number of any individual player. Uh, I'm mostly concerned with the correlations between that player and potentially another player in the lineup and just the collective ownership of my lineup as a whole. So when you saw something like the FFT uh, OJ Lenny's lineup here, um, you know, having Evan Ingram in there and some of those decisions that he made, made the lineup different enough that he was not worried about duplicating it at all. And it still brought down the overall ownership of the lineup significantly. Yeah. There's a lot more. There's, a lot more variation in NFL DFS where you can make your, your lineup so different, whether it's by roster construction or why, or whether it's by players like Evan Ingram, you know, throwing them in, in your lineup at, at 0.7%. So, you know, it's different from PGA DFS where we're really trying to game theory ourselves away from a chalky lineup. In NFL DFS, you can play some chalk. I mean, some chalk you don't want to play maybe because you don't think they're an optimal play. But, uh, you know, you can play chalky players. And Saquon was in such a good spot. I played him in a lot of lineups. And I mean, by halftime, I, I was thinking to myself, what, I don't even understand how CMC and Saquon could have like practically no fantasy points. It was uh, it was super strange. So let's change gears. Thanks for the question, by the way. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Let's change gears. Let's take a quick look, Mike, and I know you have to get out of here on the earlier side of things. So let's get started at our early look at uh, DFS pricing. And, and we'll we'll touch on, Mike may or may not be here, but we'll touch on Showdown uh, at the very end of the show for Thursday night. That's, of course, the uh, Steelers and Browns game. So we got a 13-game slate coming up. Uh, last week, it was 12 games. And last week, we didn't have a ton of games that had high totals. This week, it's a lot different. So it's going to be a lot harder, I think, for people to narrow their player pool down. I thought last week, it was kind of easy. You pick a few games, you pick maybe a contrarian game to get some pieces of or a stack from, and you kind of have your player pool here. Well, let's see. We've got the Chiefs at Colts. That's a 50-point total. we got the Bills at Dolphins, 53. Jaguars at Chargers. Big question there with Justin Herbert, but that's a total of 48. That's an afternoon game. we got the Rams at Cardinals. That's a 50-and-a-half-point total. That's another afternoon game. There's four games on the afternoon slate, and those last two I just mentioned are the two big ones. Uh, Eagles at Washington, 49-point uh, total there. And the Lions at the Vikings, a 52-and-a-half-point total. So, Mike, let me ask you this just from a strategy standpoint. When you have this many games, it, you obviously you don't increase your player pool. I know how narrow your player pool is, but for the people listening, is there any sort of advice you would give in terms of maybe Xing out some players or some games? I know that's such a generic question, but there is a lot to choose from here. Oh, there is a lot to choose from here. It uh, makes fantastic week to play tournaments. Uh, you know, it's always a great week to play tournaments. There's always upside involved, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I keep my player pools still very narrow. I'll, I'll make very hard stances. Um, thing that I will do the most is, is probably make the lineups even more correlated than normal um, and just try to really be right on a game or two rather than try to pick one piece from each of the 50-point total games. Uh, I'm more likely to game stack multiple games knowing that probably going to hit on one of the three games, one of the four games that we choose to game stack up. Um, that's generally how I play. But the, the problem with me saying generally like that is there are always exceptions to those rules because of the pricing, right? There's obviously always things that change those, but generally speaking, I want to game stack and build more highly correlated lineups this week. All right. Sounds good. So obviously, for those of you listening, you all you already know that we have our game by game preview uh, roster construction. We talk about ownership. We're going to do all that on Thursday at five o'clock. We do that live, by the way, just like this show. But make sure you watch that Thursday show, because that's when we're really going to have to maybe, you know, cut some players, add some players to our pool, take some values or at least assess some value play. So, all right, well, let, let's talk about, let's bring up the quarterbacks here. We have them here on the screen. I mean, obviously at the top, 
we got Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Let me just start there with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Uh, are either of those two likely in your player pool this week at that, at that high price, knowing that there's a lot of games to choose from here? Uh, yes. Um, it's not going to be Lamar as much as I loved his performance last week uh, and obviously played him everywhere. It's going to be Josh Allen. I, I like Josh Allen. I like this environment. I think this game's going to actually be quite competitive. We know that it's got shootout potential. Uh, a lot of big playmakers on both sides. The Bills' defense is great, but containing Waddle and Tyree Kill and Gasecki, if Tua's even remotely accurate, it's going to be a good situation for that offense still. So I think we have a massive shootout. These are the kind of games that Josh Allen looks to run the football more in as well, especially when he's got a somewhat mobile quarterback on the other side, if he wants to be. Um, yeah, give me Josh Allen this week. Uh, early question here, but is this one of your top three games, in your opinion, at, on a Tuesday that you are going to uh, probably have some so, uh, plenty of stacks? I'm going to try to. Uh, it's really going to depend on um, overall ownership and value uh, via injury um, before I can really commit to getting to a lot of it. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a Josh Allen stuff on Diggs combo for sure. Um, and likely one of the three pass catchers on the Miami side. Um, but I, I'm going to try try to get to the spot where I can play Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, one of the other receivers, likely Isaiah McKenzie, uh, and then either one or two of Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It's just going to be looking for value everywhere else to make it work, but definitely one we're looking at. I continue to be in uh, predict the future Mike McClure mode. So I'm going to ask you this. Do you think there's a possibility that Tua's ownership could be near as much as Josh Allen, given the price decrease and what we saw from Tua last week, just absolutely peppering his two primary targets? Yes, uh, I definitely do. I, I think it'll probably be inflated to the point where there's certainly no value on it. Um, yes, it's possible that he can, can do this again. Um, and, you know... I mentioned having a, a mobile quarterback into it. He can be mobile. He doesn't really. Uh, and that's that's the problem for me. I need someone that can still pick up, uh, you know, something with the legs and really provide a little upside there. So I'm going to be out on Tua. I can't say I'm 100% out on Lamar because I'll always consider Lamar in, in cash games. Um, but I think I'm going to be out on Tua. So I want to talk about the 7K range really quick because there's a guy in here that I just don't think I'm going to be able to get away from. So obviously we have Pat Mahomes at 7,900, Jalen Hurts 7,600, Justin Herbert 7,400. We're going to have to wait uh, on his rib cartilage injury in terms of what his status is going to be. Kyler Murray at 7,300. I don't see a scenario where I get away from Jalen Hurts, Mike against this Washington defense that is just so bad right now. We talked about it last week. It was the main reason I was on Amon Ross St. Brown, other than the statistics he's flashed over his last seven, now eight games. The, the main, the part of the reason was because the Washington secondary is worse than people think. And now you have Jalen Hurts, who, who appears to just own it from his, his arm and his legs against this Washington secondary. Washington likely can put up some points against Philly. Uh, they're going to lose that game, but they can likely put up some points how do I get away from Jalen Hurts? Is that possible? It's difficult. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's difficult to get away from him. Uh, he's definitely going to be in my player pool. I, I like this Eagles team a lot. Uh, I think they're still undervalued at this point. I really do. Um, so I, I like them a lot. He's definitely in the player pool. This might even be a week that I expand from five to 10 entries. It's very possible. Wow. I love it. Okay. So I don't know. How, how many more minutes do you have with us, Mike, before we need to get out of here? 
Uh, about one more minute. All right. So tell me, tell me. And by the way, we're going to have. It's not going to just be me. We're going to have uh, some surprises coming to you when Mike when Mike gets off. But um, in lo- the below the seven k range. Anybody sticking out to you? I mean, a couple guys, Wentz, obviously at 6,300. We got two at 6,100. Mariota, I think, is interesting, but probably not on this slate. Trevor Lawrence at 5,400 is very interesting, especially if Justin Herbert is healthy. Any thoughts on those quarterbacks? Um, I Not a lot of the thoughts on the two you mentioned or the, the guys you mentioned, but there are two that I have interest in. Uh, it's going to be Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford. Uh, both of these games... Big bounce back opportunity for Kirk Cousins. No better opportunity than playing the Lions, especially this year, because the Lions offense, actually legit. Lions defense, terrible. That game's got shootout written all over it. They have no chance of containing Justin Jefferson, especially coming off a down game. Uh, Yeah, Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson going to be an absolute smash play this week. So I like that. And then on the other side, Matthew Stafford, uh, we know these games against the Cardinals get ultra competitive. Uh, I, I think there's going to be plenty of points in that one at 6,500. I, you know, look, he managed still to get to 20 points in the last game through, while throwing two interceptions. Uh, I think he's going to have to continue to throw the football. And I think Arizona is going to finally start to figure things out. Uh, that win against the Raiders really hopefully has changed things for them. So I think those games are going to be very, very competitive. Well, Mike, I'll leave you with this thought. I, I think Arizona's just horrific. I just think they got a little lucky at the end of that game with how things broke for them. Uh, so it'll probably keep me off of that game. But we're going to talk about that more on Thursday. Mike, I know you got to do do a, an HQ hit. Thank you for being yep. on the show with us. And we'll see you Thursday for the game-by-game preview, right? Yep. See you guys Thursday. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. All right, so we are going to transition to running backs now, but we're also going to have a couple guests do that with me. Where are they? Who who could it be? Well, I know we at least have one guy that's going to be a super familiar face for you guys and another guy. You guys want to show up? Hey. There's one. There's the other one. Wow, it's Frank Stample, the the producer. The guy in charge uh, last year, our opening season of FFT DFS, he's now too cool for school. He's doing his Major League Baseball stuff, so he can't do his football stuff right now. I get it. And then, of course, Zach showing off his new haircut. Zach at Zbrook, uh, also producing this show. He'll be our our longtime producer, but he's going to hop on the show here and there quite a bit too. Football knowledge is at a peak for both of these guys. Frank, uh, everybody misses you. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing very well, man. Happy to be here with you once again. We got running back, wide receiver, tight end to talk about. Let's do it. And Zach, one of the main reasons I wanted you on today specifically, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a Commanders fan, right? Unfortunately, I am. Yeah. I, I, Unfortunately. I, sometimes it goes well. Most times it doesn't. So for those of you watching on YouTube, if you've ever watched me on YouTube, you see the Santana Moss picture uh, flashing the the Sean Taylor 21 behind me. Uh, that is a, a picture I prize quite a bit. And any Washington fan prizes Sean Taylor quite a bit. If you go to Washington games to this day, uh, you'll see more 21 jerseys than any other jersey in the stadium. That's a simple fact. It's always been that way, uh, even before uh, he unfortunately passed in 2007. So, Zach, we had to bring you on the show because we need to commit – Wow. Two Commanders fans and a Jets fan? Oh, geez. This is the worst show ever. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So let's let's go ahead and uh, let's – and by the way, nice win, Frank. That was actually pretty impressive. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I'm texting my buddies as in, like 
two minutes left in the game. Oh, well, the Jets stink again. Here's another loss. Shut off the game. And I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Something's happening with this Jets game. I, I can't explain it. I'm happy they won, but I don't know. We'll see if they could build off of it. So uh, let's bring up the running backs. But there were a couple questions that I, I don't want to scroll up, but I think I remember the questions. I think Gianni Video had a question and uh, Keith Tapp had a question. The Gianni Video was a trade question. I would not do that trade. I think it was a Mike Evans trade for for Patterson and um, Kyle Pitts. I, I would probably hang on to uh, to Mike Evans. I mean, the Kyle Pitts bros, since he came into the league, uh, it's just not a good scene there. Uh, fortunately, not a name that... Uh, comes out of my mouth too much. I make plenty of mistakes. Kyle Pitts has not been one of them over the last year and a half, so I'm happy to happy to say that. And then, of course, Keith Tapp, pick two this week. Uh, Allen Robinson, Rashad Bateman, Garrett Wilson, Jr., PPR. Uh, you know, I think Garrett Wilson is great, but I would go with Allen Robinson and Rashad Bateman uh, on that one. Uh, let's see. Okay, well, we might get to some more questions. If you have DFS questions or if you have DFS I don't know, stacks that you really like that you think might be unpopular or value plays, go ahead and put them in the chat and we'll, we'll assess them both today and Thursday. But Frank, at the top of the running back list, oh boy, we've got Jonathan Taylor coming off a pretty substandard game at 9,000. And we have CMC at 8,800 also coming off a substandard game. I, you know, Zach, I'm going to kick this to you. If I had to, it, it, you know, the FFT guys always do the worryometer or the dropometer and all that stuff. My worry on Christian McCaffrey, at least relative to what I think his ceiling should be game to game, it's pretty high. And it's high because of the coaching and Baker Mayfield. I, I just, you know, Jonathan Taylor doesn't worry me too much, although I am a little worried about him. But are you more worried about Christian McCaffrey? I was worried about Christian McCaffrey before the season started when a lot of people in season long had him going second in most drafts. And this is a guy who's missed a boatload of games of the past two years. And the offense is kind of up in the air. The coach, Matt Rule could be this any any coming week could be his last week coaching this game. Mm-hmm. And they got a new quarterback and they really haven't figured it out uh, putting it together. I know Baker's got a little bit of a rapport with Robbie Anderson, but McCaffrey, I'm hoping he gets rolling because we haven't seen prime McCaffrey in a long time. Yeah. Frank, any thoughts on McCaffrey? Are you are you thinking this is just a blip on the radar? And by the way, his stats aren't terrible. I mean, they're OK, but it, it's just, you know, quarter to quarter. You're like, oh, this isn't going to be a great scene for any of these guys. I mean, DJ Moore, like the DJ Moore truthers thought maybe this would be the year that ain't happening. It's it's I'm, I'm telling you, it's not happening. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to have a spike game here and there. But Baker Mayfield just doesn't look like the guy. Uh, what are your thoughts just on Carolina in general? Yeah, I'll start with DJ Moore take because I'm just going to raise my hand here. I, I am one of those DJ Moore truthers who is drafting him everywhere in season-long leagues. As for Christian McCaffrey, you look at the usage last week, still played 91% of the snaps. He has 18% target share so far for the Panthers this season. They're just playing at such a slow pace. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they've run 50 and 49 offensive plays, like something ridiculous like that through their first two weeks. And it's just hard for anyone to get there from a fantasy, from a DFS perspective, when you're running that few points. Plays. I do think at some point when you know Matt Rule's job is on the line, which seems like it is right now, they're going to have to realize you have to get the ball in the hands of your best players, and that's going to be Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Could it be as soon as this week? I'm probably not playing Christian McCaffrey in cash, but I think he's always in play for GBP because the upside still, I think, remains there. It's uh, it's It's just not happening as of now. So I think he probably will get him at lower ownership as a result of that. So I'll say this about the running backs this week. If we want to focus on maybe the top four, 8K and above, and of course that's JT, CMC, Derrick Henry, and Austin Eckler. 
You know, I think on this slate, people are really going to want to pay up for the receivers. I think the secret is out, right? I mean, we always have been preaching, you know, put a put a receiver in your flex spot. That's that's old hat, right? Like we we all know that. But I think a lot of people just had trouble doing it, and a lot of people had trouble paying up for a receiver. When wow, look, it's Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. They're going to run the ball. They're going to get touchdowns. But like, this is a receiver league now, and in your redraft leagues, you're probably realizing that real quick when guys like Stephon Diggs and Cooper Cup and you know, most of the time, Justin Jefferson are outpacing, you know, the top three picks in the league. So with that in mind, I don't know how popular any of these guys are. Zach, I'll kick it to you. Any from a DFS standpoint, you know, Eckler is confusing to me because I don't know the Justin Herbert situation. I'm not really optimistic about it in terms of him being anywhere near 100 percent. And I even with an injection, I think it's I think that's a really tough injury to come back from just 10 days later. Maybe three weeks is, is, is three or four weeks is the appropriate amount of time. Any of these guys flashing to you? Eckler does jump out because if, I assume Herbert's going to play. And if he if he's struggling to kind of throw the deep ball, there's going to be a lot of dump offs, a lot of yeah. dump more than we've seen. And I think Eckler, I don't, I don't think he's had the start that he wanted. And there's been more of a kind of a committee approach. And Eckler, you're, t- you're, you're spending prime prime money on this guy in DFS. And, I, and he's a big fantasy guy. He wants those numbers. He wants to be one of the top backs in the NFL. I'm expecting a bounce back from him soon. And especially if, if Herbert's still hurting a little bit and still playing, I think that could be a prime matchup for him. Fair enough. And, and Frank, I, I wanted to ask you about the 7K range as we look at, you know, from from the bottom up, from 7K up. Got Alvin Kamar, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. A couple of these guys really jump out at me, uh, namely Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Swift, who we thought was nursing an ankle injury. But the way he ran on Washington, uh, it looked like he was perfectly fine. I mean, there was one play where DeAndre Swift literally fell down after catching the ball in the middle of the field, mind you, on a pretty big play. And he just kind of like casually got up and sort of strolled into the end zone. Uh, that's more a commentary on Washington's defense as they play Philly coming up this week. But uh, are those the two guys that jump out to you as well? Dalvin Cook, for sure. I know everyone who's watching here on YouTube, you see that big old 32nd in opponent fantasy points allowed there. The Detroit Lions get gashed by the run year over year, and it was either Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison, a combination of both. I just remember both of these guys going off against the Lions last year. So, uh, you know, they didn't look great on Monday Night Football. Primetime Kirk Cousins came back once again. I I do want to credit the Eagles defense because I thought they played really, really well as well. But uh, I do think the Vikings offense gets back on track here, and I think Dalvin Cook will wind up being pretty popular at that price tag, 7,900. I think we get something in the range of 18 to 20 touches. Uh, and I, I think he'll be able to pay off at that price tag of uh, 7,900. Yeah, I, I definitely like Dalvin Cook. If he gets too popular, I'm very, very happy to pivot off of him. And maybe if I'm going to stack that game, maybe lean on a different type of, uh, you know, maybe a, a cousin stack with Jefferson. I think you could get cute and stack Cook with Dalvin, I mean, excuse me, Stack Cook with Kirk Cousins and maybe Justin Jefferson. That's going to be incredibly expensive, but it's not completely unfamiliar to take down a tournament with a pass catching running back with the quarterback. So that's obviously something to keep in mind. And then, of course, you try to run it back with Amon Ross St. Brown. Boom, you're out of money at that point. So roster construction is going to be um, really unique here. I mean, obviously, DJ Shark is in play in in, in a stack like that as well, as is on, on the Minnesota side of the ball. Guys like Adam Thielen or K.J. Osborne or Irv Smith who for the record is, is probably a great tight end play uh, in spite of a, a couple um, mishaps last night. Uh, let's go to the 6K range. And Zach, 
I'm going to go to you. So we have, okay, starting, and I'll start from top down this time. We got Leonard Fournette at 6,500, Antonio Gibson, 6,400, pretty underwhelming performance from him. CEH at 6,300, James Conner coming off an ankle injury at 6,200. We don't know his status. James Robinson, 6,100, and then A.J. Dillon at 6,000. I got to tell you, I'm not interested in any of these guys. You know, this show was a fade on Leonard Fournette last week. Um, We happily faded him, and it worked out for us. Antonio Gibson was a guy I kind of liked. Didn't really work out. It looks like Curtis Samuel is getting some of that role as well. So any interest here in any of these guys? Kind of looking at Fournette. I know he did shout out people on Twitter yesterday apologizing for his slow start. And we look at Green Bay. I know they look great on paper. They didn't – their run defense – was getting gashed by David Montgomery on Sunday Night Football. And if this could be a bounce mm-hmm. back game for him, especially it looks like Mike Evans is not going to play. They might be running the ball quite a lot. So, so Frank, this is a classic case of, it, to me, it's almost like the same, the same thing last week with Leonard Fournette, where it's like, yeah, he's going to get the volume, but you got banged up receivers or suspended receivers plus banged up receivers. You got a really banged up offensive line. I don't really have a problem with Brady. I don't think he's like lost his game. I think, you know, he doesn't have his weapons. He doesn't have his offensive line. But I just question the upside in this game with, uh, you know, going against the Green Bay defense that's formidable. It's one of those – when I say a classic case, it's a classic case of like volume versus, well, how many high-value touches is he going to get? It's still Tampa Bay, so Zach might be right. What are your thoughts on Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I think Fournette's going to wind up being pretty popular. I'm looking at some optimizers here, and he's popping up as the top point-per-dollar play as of now at running back. He had 26 touches last week, so I just think the volume's going to be tremendous. A lot of those could be targets and receptions with Mike Evans being suspended. The one game here, uh, Green Bay has allowed over six yards per carry to running back so far this season as well. So I think at, at by the end of the week, even by Thursday, Sia, I think Fournette's going to be one of the more popular running back plays on the slate. I just want to give a shout-out to James Robinson. I know the the salary is rising. It's up to 6,100, but he handled a bunch of touches last week as well, and the Chargers have struggled giving up big plays to running backs this season as well. I know CEH had that long 50-yard rush last week. Just the amount of touches that James Robinson is getting right now, he seems to be the guy, and I think he could be in play at that price at, at 6,100. Yeah, certainly a great story. I, I question what the volume is going to be week to week between Etienne and James Robinson. I do think it could be somewhat game script dependent. But yeah, I'm impressed with James Robinson. I don't think I'm going to get there with him. And I'll tell you guys right now, uh, I faded Fournette completely last week. I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but if he's if he's showing up, and I haven't looked at optimizers, if he's showing up uh, number one already, or at least in, in that top tier, uh, that's going to be a fade for me. Because what, what does that mean, Frank? Of course, it means he's going to be really popular, like you suggested. So yeah. just not something I, I want to be a part of in that offense right now. Now, you give me Godwin, you give me Evans, you give me maybe one or two pieces back on the offensive line. I love Leonard Fournette again. Same volume or similar volume, but but certainly more upside, in my opinion, there. The 5K range, there wasn't a lot of guys, and we can go through this pretty quickly, but there wasn't a lot of guys I was super impressed with. We told you last week, Thursday specifically, Daryl Henderson, be careful because the script might flip. We, we're not going to see 80-20 necessarily. I, I even broke it down. I said, this thing could be 50-50 for all we know. And it turns out it was worse than that, that Cam Akers actually had more touches than Daryl Henderson. So uh, I, I'm certainly, he's not really on my radar unless we hear some weird news on that. Uh, there's really nobody that's flashing to me too much. Obviously, Cam Akers is on here. Josh Jacobs is interesting, but it's at Tennessee. Travis Etienne, we kind of already talked about him. Anybody, Frank, I'll go to you. Anybody jumping out to here in this 5K range? 
you know, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Miles Sanders. I know on a week-to-week basis, it's frustrating because they like to get Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott involved, but 20 touches for Miles Sanders on Monday Night Football. He's looked good so far. The commander's defense, sorry, guys, it has not looked great. Uh, so I do think he could take advantage at 5,500. And just we have to pay attention to James Conner, see if he's good to go this week. But if he's out, I think Darrell Williams, 5,100. Uh, he saw more of the high-value touches. He was playing on third down this past week as well. I think he would be more of the the play for the Cardinals there, probably in the 15-touch range. So 5,100, um, I, I think he would be in play if Conner's out. Yeah, and real quick, uh, Zach, I'm going to ask you if you like any guys in the 5K range, but I do want to point out that that Sanders play is really smart, especially if you're not stacking this game. You're stacking another game that you love because there's so many that you can stack. Maybe you want to get a piece of this game. It's probably the Miles Sanders piece that you want because in general, people are going to be playing a a, a value Devontae Smith. They're going to stack maybe A.J. Brown with with Jalen Hurts or maybe play Jalen Hurts naked. There's so many things you can do. Uh, but in those stacks, in those game stacks, you're probably not getting a piece of Miles Sanders. So I think that's a really good way to get a piece of the game and just hope that somehow Miles Sanders gets, uh, you know, some high value touches, some green zone, red zone touches and falls in the end zone a couple times. And, and listen, if he's getting 20 touches a game, that's all you could ask for from this running back in this in this game script, because uh, Philly's going to be playing from the lead. Any 5K guys that you like? And then, Frank, I'm going to ask you about any 4K guys you like. Only one is on my radar. Brees Hall does jump out to me a little bit. I feel like we haven't really been talking about him. He hasn't been that involved through two weeks. And I feel like one of these weeks he's going to go crazy. And I remember last year uh, against Cincinnati, that was the Mike White game. So they might have their number again this year. And Brees Hall, it wouldn't shock me to see him just kind of just take over one of these one of these weeks. And it could be week three. Yeah, it's interesting because he didn't get a lot of opportunities. I think he had seven carries, uh, one or two catches last week. But you're right. When it comes to guys like Travis Etienne and Brees Hall, if you guess on the right week and all of a sudden, you know, the the, the touches flips, uh, you're in really good shape. I don't think I'm going to take that chance, but I I think in a big tournament, like a dart throw type tournament, I think Brees Hall certainly makes sense at home against Cincinnati. So in the 4K range, guys, before we get to receiver, you know, the one guy that was sort of on my radar radar in, a, in probably a high-scoring game was Raheem Mostert. To me, that's another guy that if you're not stacking that game, maybe that's the piece you take and hope he – we know he's got speed. We know that the Bills are going to be protecting against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle more than anything else. And we know that Mostert started to get some some real touches. Last game, 11 uh, rushing attempts for 51 yards. He caught three of three targets for 28 yards. So I, the Chase Edmonds thing, I, I think Mostert might be the guy in the next few weeks as long as he stays healthy. Any thoughts on him? Uh, Frank, I'll go to you. Yeah, that's exactly the name that I was looking at as well. I think it's going to wind up being a good GPP play in a high-scoring game, as you mentioned. They kind of flipped the script last week. It was Edmonds in week one. It was Mostert in week two. I didn't really see a reason for that, so maybe they're just doing a hot-hand approach right now, but out-touched Edmonds 14-6 to did Raheem Mostert. Uh, Yeah, I think he's in play at that price tag. Absolutely. Any other guys in the 4K range, Zach, or any comments on uh, Raheem Mostert before we pull up receivers? On Mostert, I mean, you saw he started to get a little bit of volume on Sunday against the Ravens, and he does have that familiarity with Mike McDaniel. And it wouldn't show, the thing is, his, you've never really questioned his talent. You've questioned whether he can stay on the field. And if he can, I think he could be a real kind of big sleeper down the road this season. And especially going up against Buffalo, they're going to have their hands full with those receivers. And even if they, maybe they game plan for Edmonds, Mostert's the kind of guy that can just go crazy. He's one. Of, I think he a couple of years ago, what he had like the fastest 
touchdown in the league. He, he's got speed and he can take, he could take it to the house. And that I think is more, one of the more higher upside guys at this price range. Absolutely. All right, let's pull up, uh, let's pull up receivers here. Uh, the two at the top, as you might expect, fade Cooper cup at your own risk, 9,900 last week. It seemed like a slow game for him. Well, 11 catches, 14 targets, 108 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, it's just one of those things. Cooper Cup always manages, whether it's the first quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, to find his way in the end zone, sometimes not just once but twice. We got Justin Jefferson at 9,300 in an obvious bounce-back spot. So obvious, I think he's going to be even more popular than he would be if he had a good game last week. You know, I think we we were always looking for bounce-back spots, and I, I, I definitely think at 9,300, Jefferson certainly makes sense if you can fit him into your lineup. Uh, he was – Pretty pedestrian. He caught six balls, 12 targets, 48 yards, zero touchdowns uh, last night against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and then we go down, and a couple guys that caught my eye were Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be on either of those guys. If I had to make an argument between the two, it would be Jamar Chase in what could be a high-scoring game at, at the New York Jets. Any of those top four guys, and I'll, I'll, I'll wait to go to Diggs and Tyreek Hill. Any of those top four guys appealing to you, Zach? Adams definitely jumps out because he's a very underwhelming performance against the Cardinals. I think he, I think he, had, I think he had the early touchdown, and then he was like a non-factor during the game. And you know they're going to be wanting to get him involved early. And going up against Tennessee, Tennessee didn't do too great last night against Stephon Diggs. And Devontae Adams is as equal or if not better a receiver than Stephon Diggs. And I think they're going to be looking to get to him early and often. Absolutely. And so as we go to the 7K range, we got a couple guys that are, I mean, this whole range is really interesting to me. My guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's he's really getting priced up now at 7,200. But we got Stefan Diggs. We got Tyreek Hill. They're playing each other. Man, it's it's really going to be hard to fit in a lot of the guys that you want. You're going to have to find value. But Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill, are you looking, Frank, to maybe maybe game stack this game with either two at a Tyreek Hill with Diggs on the run back or obviously Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs with Tyreek Hill on the run back. Obviously, there's going to be other receivers that could get involved. I mean, Waddle's stat line was pretty similar to Tyreek Hill's ultimately in terms of targets and receptions and even touchdowns. Uh, so we can we do have discounts here and there. If Gabriel Davis is back, certainly you could sub him in for Stefan Diggs. But between these two guys, who are you more likely to play? Probably more likely to play Stefan Diggs with the Josh Allen stack and bring it back with a Tyreek Hill or a Jalen Waddell. Of course, we have to wait to see what's going on with Gabriel Davis this week. We know that he didn't play on Monday Night Football, and as a result, Stefan Diggs just went absolutely bonkers. Three touchdowns in that game, and uh, just a trend early on in the season. See where you know wide receiver scoring is up is way up across the board, just mm-hmm. comparatively to running back. So especially in the full PPR format on DraftKings, I, I think you do want to, if you're paying up for someone, I, I think it's wide receiver is the way that the early season has trended so far. So it's digs for me, but I think we do have to wait for more information. Yeah, real quick, Tyreek Hill, uh, 11 catches on 13 targets, 190 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, the second receiver on that team, like literally the wide receiver too, his name's Jalen Waddle. He's 6,800 this week. 11 catches on 19 targets for 171 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's ridiculous for any receiver to have in any game. But for two to have in the same game is Truly unbelievable, and I I would imagine somewhat close to record breaking. Although I haven't actually seen any any um, big stats on that, so let's go to the six K range as we as we go past AJ Brown, and we'll talk about them more on uh, on Thursday. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is so interesting because I think 
as much as people want to play him, he's now at a price where people are just not going to play him because of what you can get right above him and right below him. I might go back to him for that very reason. But then again, this Detroit-Minnesota game, man, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can play it. But in this 6K range, obviously Jalen Waddle really sticks out to me at 6,800. I think that's certainly a value. Mike Williams is interesting, but only if Justin Herbert is playing. And frankly, even if he is, his limitations probably take Mike Williams upside just down a grade, in my opinion. Uh, Christian Kirk is being priced up. Uh, we've been talking about him all season. He's 6,200. Uh, that's still a reasonable price at the Chargers. Again, I'm not stacking that game unless I hear a, a good report uh, when it comes to uh, Justin Herbert. And then T. Higgins. Uh, I, I love T. Higgins. We had, Frank, you remember, we had your boy D. Bro on for our offseason series. And you remember my quote, right? I said he said something about Jamar Chase going off, and I said the new Jamar Chase in 2022 is none other than T. Higgins. So maybe I was, you know, just leaning on rhetoric there, but I love T. Higgins and I love this price. And I think this game could potentially shoot out. I think the range of outcomes are very wide in this range. It could be a complete dud. I'm not sure. But what do you think in this 6K range? Anybody sticking out to you, Frank? And then I'll go to you, Zach. Yeah, I do like T. Higgins as well. I, I think that the the Jets have been sneaky in terms of having fantasy-friendly games so far, and uh, I know their secondary has played well. DJ Reed has has performed really well so far. Sauce Gardner, not so much to give up a touchdown to Amari Cooper last week. So I think one of, or potentially even both, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase uh, could have big games against the Jets here. The only other one, I don't really love this range, but Hollywood Brown, 6K, Going up against Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey hasn't played that great so far. I just do think that that game could turn into a shootout. I'm with UC. I don't think the Cardinals are very good. I think their defense is quite bad. And as a result, they're playing from behind um, and could lead to a lot of passing and end targets for Hollywood Brown once again. So, Zach, before I go to you in the 6K range of guys that you like, I I think the Cardinals are so bad that even – in a negative game script, they can't they can't put it together, especially with the defensive line that the, that the Rams have. They you can really suffocate Kyler Murray. You keep him in the pocket, and, and we know Aaron Donald's going to create pressure up the middle as well. He's just one of those guys. I'm not saying he literally checks out like that. He mentally checks out, but he's one of those guys to me that when he gets really discouraged and when the and I understand he was down twenty to nothing and and he came back, but the way he came back. I honestly, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, the sort of comeback where I was like, oh, man, he's like he's flipped a switch. Uh, this is this is great momentum going into the rest of the season. I just thought the Raiders were kind of bad. The Arizona got the benefit of a couple calls, uh, both with the A.J. Green catch that maybe wasn't a catch to tie the game and the pass interference on the Raiders, which was like completely ridiculous, which led to the game winning touchdown. I, I just have no faith in this team and therefore Marquise Brown. Um, Zach, in the 6K range, who do you like? Kind of looking at T. Higgins. I know you were talking about him before. Yeah. Um, since his issue this year really hasn't been the offense. It's been the offensive line. And the Jets, correct me if I'm wrong, haven't really been getting to the quarterback all that often. And that's been Joe Burrow's. That's been his the story of his first two weeks. If they're not getting to the quarterback, I think they're going to let it fly this week. This could be a shootout. And I think Flacco's third in the league in passing yards. This could be like a sneaky over, uh, leaning over towards that. But I think this could absolutely be a shootout. And I think T. Higgins will absolutely be involved. 
Yeah, that, this is a very interesting game. I, I, if I'm if I'm playing this game, it's probably, and we'll talk about this more on Thursday, it's probably like a, a skinny stack. I'm not game stacking it with the quarterback. I might choose T. Higgins on one side and then maybe a discount receiver. I don't know that I'll chase Garrett Wilson's points. I, he's 5,400 this week, which is actually a, a good transition uh, to this 5K range. Garrett Wilson, I, I did love the production, but th- there is still Corey Davis there and Elijah Moore and a pass catching Michael Carter. So I'm not sure I want to chase those points. Devontae Smith, though, at 5,200 in a game I asked absolutely love again featuring the Washington football team I'm not going to call them the commanders it's the Washington football team for now Curtis Samuel speaking of that team at 5100 talk about a good um, value skinny stack back and forth Devontae Smith on one side Curtis Samuel on the other obviously we already talked about Miles Sanders value at 5500 any of these 5k guys Zach I'll go to you I mean obviously just mentioned Devontae Smith and Curtis Samuel who I like quite a bit Uh, anybody else jumping out to you or do you like any of those guys I do like Curtis Samuel. I've been pleasantly surprised at how well he's played these first two weeks. And obviously going up against Philly, you've got a great, great secondary. But Washington's got three dominant receivers for the seems like the first time ever. And one of these guys, I think, is gonna is gonna go off. And it could be Curtis Samuel because they line him up all over the field. McLaurin's really kind of been shut down a little bit, but Curtis Samuel, I think he's got 20 targets through the first two games. I think he could be sneaking. I'm surprised he's even this cheap on here. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Um, Frank, 5K range. Anybody sticking out to you? I've just got to say, guys, I'm really surprised that two Commanders fans like Curtis Samuel this week, you know, just (laughs) totally did not catch me off guard or anything like that. Uh, Drake London looks like he's kind of taking over as the wide receiver one uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Pitts continues to let us down. Maybe it's a squeaky wheel type game where where they just try and force targets to Kyle Pitts. But Drake London looks like that dude right now, and he's only 5,800. Not that it's a great game environment against the Seahawks, but uh, as a one-off, I do kind of find him interesting. And then one other name, Jacoby Myers, who has played really well this year, still commanding targets for the Patriots. Not a great passing attack or anything, but it's a really good matchup. The Ravens just got torched. You know, see a red off what Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddell did against them. And at 5K, I could see a game where Myers goes for, you know, eight for 100, something like that, and, and just clearly outperforms his price tag. So I do like him at 5K. Yeah, especially if they end up falling in in a negative game script too. I mean, I, I think a neutral game script, they're fine. I mean, I think most people who are listening and not like watching us on YouTube, they might be like Jacoby Myers. Like, why would I ever play Jacoby Myers? Well, one, it's contrarian. And two, look at this stat line from last game. Nine receptions on 13 targets. He almost gets the 100-yard bonus. Is that going to happen again? I don't know. But to Frank's point, it's a beat-up secondary. It's a beat-up defense in general. So, I mean, I think if anybody was going to do it at that price, Jacoby Myers is certainly uh, in play to be one of those guys. Okay, let's move down to the 4K range real quick before we uh, – we talk. oh, by the way, the, the, the we, I get it, the Washington football team shade. Like, of course, the homers <laughs> are going to talk about him. But 11 targets last week. He caught most of them or he caught a lot of them. This week, let's see. He was seven of nine. So seven catches on nine targets, 78 yards and one touchdown and a really low a dot, which which we really like. Right. Because that's going to guarantee the PPR points in DraftKings. I believe his a dot has been was it was one yard, I think, week one. And it was five yards or less in week two. So he's getting those reliable looks, which we always like in PPR leagues. Uh, love that one. Okay, 4K range, just a couple guys that jumped out to me. Josh Palmer, who kind of looked lost on the field, to be honest with you, for at least half of the game on Thursday night football. At 4,800, I think he's interesting. Chris Olave at 4,500, who had a ton of air yards and 
a healthy Jameis Winston is just going to air it out to this guy. So he he has major spike potential. Uh, Greg Dorch still priced down at 4,300. And if Rondell Moore isn't back in that game and in that game script, he's certainly viable. Um, any of those guys jump out to you, Zach? Uh, anybody else in the 4K range that you have your eye on? And I was saying, basically saying something similar with Brees Hall, but Traylon Burks jumps out a little bit. I feel like mm-hmm. one of these weeks you're going to see him kind of break. I think he had four for 48 in the first half last night, and then the Bills just completely took over. But against Vegas, who's gotten some slow starts early on, um, I, I think he could be surprising. And they kind of line him up all over the field as well. I think he, especially for a, a low price point, like what does that say, 4,900? I don't think you really do much better in terms of upside. Yeah, and certainly the Vegas secondary can can absolutely get exposed. It, it's uh, it's kind of a low floor, high ceiling potential type of play, which is which is just fine for tournaments. I don't mind that play at all. Um, Frank, in the four K range, anybody sticking out to you? Yeah, we have to see what's going on with Rondell Moore, but if he is out once again, Greg Dorch, who we've relied on heavily in the first couple of weeks, is only forty three hundred in a game once again that they should be playing from behind against the Los Angeles Rams. And I will just point out Chris Olave. Panther secondary has played really well so far. Jameis Winston has the fractures in his back. Olave is 4,500, and he had over 300 air yards last week. So I'll just throw the name out there where if this game kind of turns into a shootout or if they're playing from behind, just someone to remember. Maybe not you know this week, but at some point this season, Chris Olave is going to matter to you. No, I totally agree with you. I think the spike potential, I mean, he's the type of guy that can do it on two throws the way he's he's getting his air yards. And honestly, he almost did it last week. Just a couple miscues, um, mainly by Jameis there. All right, let's let's go to uh let's go to Titan. By the way, shout out to Jacob Gibbs, who was another one of our amazing guests in our offseason series, who said very explicitly that Drake London was his favorite receiver coming in to this year. And it was because of the route tree that he ran at USC and how that translates at the NFL level. And what the takeaway was, was that Drake London was going to have an impact early because of the route tree that he ran over at USC. So um, that offseason is honestly, like to me, that's that's evergreen content. We have a lot of really good content about contest selection. So if you're in our library, as you're reviewing this podcast and giving us five stars and telling us how great our picks are, go back and, and listen to some of those podcasts. The title is there. So you can kind of ch- choose among the, the podcasts in the library. But there's a lot of evergreen content in there about contest selection, about bankroll management, and of course, about the, this rookie class. And uh, props to Jacob Gibbs uh, from CBS Sports and from, from Sportsline Fantasy Football Today for... Um, pinpointing Drake London uh, more than really any other rookie. Okay, tight ends. We got Kelsey at the top, 7,900 at Indy, of course. Mark Andrews at the top, 6,900 at New England. I'm sure Mike, when he's here on Thursday for our game-by-game preview, he's going to be very interested in Kelsey at 7,900. Indy's defense is beat up. Kelsey could absolutely take advantage. I just wonder if I'm going to get there with Travis Kelsey, considering how many of these high-priced receivers I want to play and potentially high-priced quarterbacks I want to play. So I don't know that I'll get there with those two guys, but as we go towards the value, and I won't go through the ranges, I'll just talk about some of the guys that I thought have pretty good value on this slate. And then Frank, I'll kick it to you to see if there's any tight ends uh, you like. And then Zach to you Goddard at 4,700 obvious, right? I mean, the, the, it's a pretty good price. It's against the Washington defense. He should get a ton of targets. Zach Ertz at 4,600. That's home against the Rams. Zach Ertz, for those of you that weren't really paying attention, he caught eight of 11 targets for 75 yards. So clearly seems to be healthy. Tyler Higby. Okay, he's a target monster now, partially because Van Jefferson isn't back yet, I presume. Caught seven of nine targets last week. Again, seven of nine for Tyler Higby for 71 yards. He's only 4,500. Evan Ingram, who we know OJ Linney, our DFS contest winner, played last week. 
3,700, caught seven of eight targets for 46 yards. That's at the Chargers. Then, of course, as we go down, Logan Thomas, Irv Smith, who I absolutely like at 3,100. And then I'll just mention Jawan Johnson's name again because I didn't mention him last week, but I did end up playing him. He's 2,900. Uh, Frank, give me maybe three, two or three tight ends you like on this slate. Kyle Pitts, I, hadn't, I haven't seen tight end pricing until now. 4,800. I know that he has earned that price tag, but I think Kyle Pitts is going to wind up being pretty popular uh, now that he is down below 5K. And then just a few others that you mentioned. Tyler Higby, absolutely on him. He's seeing more targets than Allen Robinson. Irv Smith looked like he came uh, back to life here on Monday Night Football, getting targets and uh, hopefully using the red zone as well in a game against Detroit, which I think could turn into a shootout as well. And the last one, Jawan Johnson. Yeah, I've played him. I uh, played him in all my cash games last week. He's still just 2,900. He's very involved in the offense. He's on the field. He's running routes. So, uh, yeah, all different kind of price points. But Jawan Johnson, Irv Smith, Higby, Kyle Pitts, those are the ones uh, standing out to me. Yeah, and that's the big takeaway with Jawan Johnson and some of these tight ends. Some of them are obviously blocking tight ends, or at least they're blocking 50% of the time. And, you know, some of them blocking more than that. But the point is, is some of these pass-catching tight ends are really running routes almost all the time. And Jawan Johnson, week one, uh, ran a ton of routes. And week two, he ran a ton of routes. And so at 2,900, it's not super exciting, and it might the ceiling might be capped. But I played him at 2,500 last week because he made my rosters work. And at 2,900, you can make the same argument. The problem with playing Jawan Johnson this week, though, of course, is that Irv, guys like Irv Smith are just $200 more, which probably makes Irv Smith really, really popular. I don't know that my pivot off of Irv Smith is going to be Jawan Johnson. It'll probably be somebody with similar upside. Maybe Evan Ingram, maybe Everett if uh, if Herbert is healthy, or maybe uh, Tyler Higby at forty five hundred. That's a pretty big price difference, so you're just going to have to reconcile that. Logan Thomas at thirty five hundred certainly in play. Zach, two or three tight ends that are standing out to you uh, on this slate. Yeah, like like Frank Pitts is jumping off the page here. I feel like this slump is not going to continue. Arthur Smith knows he needs to get him involved in the offense soon. And you see right there, he's got a fantastic matchup against the Seahawks. I think this could be the week for him because if not, I think a lot of people are going into panic mode. And just in terms of some other guys, Higby just jumped off the page as well. I think he's got the best matchup um, against the Cardinals. Cardinals defense is they stink. I don't know what's going on. They, 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 <laughs> they stink. Um, but I, I think he could be as well. And Allen Robinson, I think, still hasn't really implemented himself as the number two option. It's really been Higby. And I think this could be a big week for him as well. But not many guys really jumping off for me, but those two definitely catch my attention. Well, it sounds to me like what you guys are recommending for all the money, for the millie, is Marcus Mariota, Mariota to Kyle Pitts with a DK Metcalf bring back in the slowest paced game of all time. Man, Seattle, they just don't run plays. They don't, yeah. they don't want to run plays. They think winning is running the fewest plays possible. I think they're averaging around 50 plays per game, which is like drastically lower than every other team. And that was the same thing last year, too. So that always worries me in Seattle games is the pace of play. But, you know, if there was going to be a game for Pitts to flash, I guess it would be this one because finally, like the coach, now they're starting to hear like they're taking heat, like how how are you not getting Kyle Pitts involved? Usually coaches buckle to that. But I got to be honest, I I just don't think they're 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 scheming him open. I think the the best DB or one of the best DBs is usually covering him. It's usually not the best matchup for him ultimately because you only have Drake London on the other side. There's not a lot. Olamide Zacchaeus, nobody's, he's not instilling fear in any, in anybody's hearts or minds. So um, yeah. So Marcus Mariota stack uh, loud and clear guys. We got you. Okay. That is going to, that's going to fit. We're, we're done with the early look. Obviously Thursday, we're going to do the game by game preview. I do want to mention showdown just for a second. I just, we don't really have time to go through it. We've already gone pretty long on this show, but we have the Steelers at the Browns 
and we have uh, Cleveland's favored by five points, a 38 and a half point total. What does that mean? That means there's not going to be a lot of scoring. I should tell you that we're live at five o'clock on Thursday. Every Thursday, we're live at five o'clock. That means we're live three hours before the game. I promise, I will make a promise to you that I will make sure to ask the showdown specialist, Mike McClure, uh, at the front end of that show, most likely, who he likes in the captain spot, maybe some flex spots that I that that he deems interesting. Obviously, Chubb is going to be the guy everybody's going to want to jam in. He's averaging over 125 total yards per game. And oh, it's only two games, but uh, I don't see that going down drastically against the Steelers with Chubb being at home. Uh, he's 12K, Najee Harris 9,800, Amari Cooper 9,400. It goes down the list. There's some dart throws maybe in play, maybe a George Pickens. Baby and Joku, uh, the Steelers team, pretty hard watch. I think the defenses are going to be in play in showdown. I think the kickers are going to be in play. Certainly the running backs on both sides of the ball are going to be in play as well. So we'll talk about that just for a few minutes on Thursday before we get into our um, game-by-game breakdown. But uh, Frank and Zach, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. Uh, Frank, uh, w- are you coming back? Does this mean you're back? Nah, nah, come on, man. You and Mike got it handled here, and of course, Zach is taking good care of you guys. So, uh, yeah, I'm here if you need me to pop in every now and then. But yeah, happy to do it. See ya. Uh, it was fun. Week three, we're almost here. Zach, uh, I, I gotta this. Your content is so good. You don't mind producing the show and hopping in on the show every once in a while, right? No, not at all. Appreciate it. Awesome. Appreciate you having me. Awesome. Okay, everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure you get in our contest. If you if you hear these words right now. The next thing you should be doing, get into our FFT DFS contest. We've already expanded it because demand has been so high. I want to expand it again next week. I want to expand it again the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. Let's have a great week three. We're going to see you Thursday live at five o'clock. This has been Fantasy Football Today DFS. the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary as we speak rap music on trial now streaming exclusively on paramount plus head to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply